0: Is a technology that inhibits tyrosine kinase and shows activity against all isoforms of VEGF and placental
1: growth factor the future of wet AMD therapy? Data from the Davio study, which were shared at the 2021 Late Breaker Session, could be of interest. I'm Greg
0: Notstein, here with Scott Wanis, and this is New Retina Radio's coverage of the 2021 AAO Annual Meeting Late Breaking Paper Session. Dr. David Boyer discussed the drug design of EYP1901 and summarized the findings
1: of the Phase 1 DAVIO study, which examined its use in wet AMD patients. We also invited Dr. Faras Rahal to review the safety and efficacy findings of the Phase 3 NORS II trial, which explored use of an ocular formulation of bevacizumab in patients with wet AMD.
0: Join us on this episode to further explore the details from these two presentations.
1: retina has extensive experience with drugs that slowly elude steroids for patients with diabetic eye disease and uveitis, and the addition of the port delivery system into the armamentarium gives the option for long-term low-dose delivery to treat wet AMD, but it requires surgical implantation.
0: Could there ever be a long-term erodible injectable to treat wet AMD? To find out, we invited Dr. David Boyer onto the program, who presented Phase 1 data on EYP-1901 at this year's AAO late-breaking session.
1: Dr. Boyer is with Retina Vitreous Associates Medical Group in Southern California. Dr. Boyer, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Our audience may not be very familiar with EYP-1901. Can you give us a quick summary of the drug?
2: Well, the drug is basically a TKI inhibitor, it's a which has um, the ability to block all forms of VEGF and, and placental growth factors. Um, it's been tried previously in a study, uh, X82, which where it was administered systemically. And there was definitely an efficacy signal in the study. However, because of liver toxicity, the study was stopped. There were, however, no ocular toxicities noted in these earlier studies. The combination EYP1901 combines Berlin with DuraSort platform, which is an injectable sustained delivery technology that is bioerodable. Uh, the DuraSort platform is basically used in other uh, areas. It's been used in the Retrocert and the Vitrocert. It is, in those cases, non bioerodable. And what happens is when you remove the polyamine outer form, it allows it the drug itself to be biodegradable, So this goes away after uh, six, seven months. There's an initial burst of the drug and a constant uh, delivery over several months.
0: The phase one DAVIO study looked at this agent in eyes with wet AMD. What can you tell us about who was
2: involved? Well, DAVIO is a phase one open label dose escalation study. Um, it was enrolling 17 patients that were previously treated with AMD, the patients did not have to have fluid when they came in, but they had to show evidence of fluid previously. These patients were um, getting treatment every nine, uh, nine injections per year, which comes out to about every six weeks um, prior to enrollment. So they were really VEGF addicts. They were treated once at the beginning and then were given rescue at the really at the investigator's uh, discretion. It was suggested that 75 microns of new fluid or two lines of of visual loss or new macular hemorrhage um, would precipitate a rescue. However, the patients can be rescued at any time if the uh, investigator felt it necessary. The primary endpoint in any phase one study is really safety. Um, And we looked at, I presented the six-month data. We will go on to presenting the one-year data, hopefully next year. But we also looked at secondary um, endpoints and best corrected vision, central subfield thickness were the secondary endpoints. The six months interim uh, results um, were presented and were very, very encouraging.
1: Why don't you tell us about the interim safety results?
2: Well, safety was impeccable. There were no um, SAEs, there were no vitreous floaters, endophthalmitis or retinal detachment, no signs of vasculitis or any signs of inflammation at all. So as far as safety was concerned, this was um, an extremely safe drug with no signs of any ocular uh, or systemic SAEs.
1: A phase one study is not powered to examine efficacy, but it's still interesting to know if anything was observed. Did your team find a change in vision after EYP-1901 was administered?
2: Well, you have to remember, you know, unlike, you know, the RIDE-RISE, all these other trials that we've looked at in the past where you take treatment-naive patients, treat them, and you see a major improvement, this drug was administered to patients who had been receiving almost like VEGF addicts. Every six weeks, they've been receiving uh, anti-VEGF therapy. So the purpose of, of the treatment was to see if you could administer this drug and avoid the numerous injections that the patients were receiving in the previous year so we didn't expect to see a big improvement in patients. We felt that they had probably improved to the point that they were not going to get a further improvement, but we were able to look at both the baseline visual acuity and the central subfield thickness, and they were both stable for all the doses of the um, drug administered, So, which is what we expected. This is, was treated almost like a maintenance drug and reduced the number of injections tremendously.
0: What's next for EYP 1901?
2: Well, first of all, we want to look at the one-year readout. This was a six-month readout. But this platform of being biodegradable um, is extremely um, uh, exciting because we're now able to take patients who have had numerous treatments in the past and be able to stabilize them. Just think if we're able to administer this early in patients who are not VEGF addicts, we may have you know, people that will require injections every six months or every seven months. Um, and so I, I think we're very excited to do another study looking at patients earlier in the course of their treatment that have not been receiving multiple um, treatments to see if we can duplicate what we see with uh, anti-VEGF given on a monthly or every other month basis.
1: That is some exciting potential. Thanks for being here today, Dr. Boyer.
2: Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: What is old is sometimes new. That's the case with ONS 5010, which may be an ophthalmic formulation of bevacizumab soon in doctors' hands if the drug can gain regulatory approval.
0: What is ONS 5010? What do its Phase 3 data look like? And what are the safety concerns linked with its administration? To learn more, we're here with Dr. Firas Rahal, who shared data from the Norse 2 trial at this year's AAO Late Breaking Paper Session.
1: Dr. Rahal is with Retina Vitreous Associates Medical Group in Southern California, and is also an Associate Clinical Professor of Ophthalmology at the UCLA School of Medicine, and an adjunct clinical professor at USC. Dr. Rahal, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you having me on the show and um, giving me an opportunity to speak about uh, ONS 5010 and our, our recent uh, presentation on the data. Language is important.
0: And with that in mind, provide an overview of what this technology is and how it works.
3: Yeah, thank you. Uh, so everyone in our space knows what Bevacizumab is, and what it's been doing, and what it's been used for, it's a, it's a stalwart in the treatment of many retinal diseases, wet macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy, and, and many others for the last 16 years, and what this technology is to answer specifically is an ophthalmic preparation of Bevacizumab, essentially the same drug as the Avastin we've been using before. Up until now. We use it in a compounded form, uh, created off-label in a compounding pharmacy uh, from the IV preparation to be used in intraocular or intravitreal injections to be specific. And uh, now Outlook Therapeutics is developing this product as an ophthalmic preparation, which has a different standard for uh, purity and other things. There have been some problematic issues with the compounding in the past, and they looking to license this with FDA approval for specific eye use for those same diseases. So the drug th- therapy itself is the same. It's essentially a different preparation and ophthalmic preparation. And it's, it's not a biosimilar. Uh, so for clarity, which uh, occasionally gets uh, misconstrued here uh, it's, it's just an, a new ophthalmic preparation of Bevacizumab.
0: Let's move on to NORSE 2, which was a phase three pivotal study assessing ONS 5010 in wet AMD patients.
3: Sure. So this study, which is uh, what uh, we just presented, I myself did the presentation, but a whole lot of people did a lot of work to get that presentation together. Uh, that's what we presented at AAO Retina Subspecialty Day. And this is an efficacy and safety trial. A phase three trial, which is the important kind of so-called pivotal step uh, every company or startup needs to get to to apply for FDA approval. And it was looking at wet AMD patients. These are treatment-naive patients, patients that have never been treated before and uh, newly diagnosed, so to speak, and uh, treating them with ONS5010, or again, the ophthalmic bevacizumab preparation given monthly, It was a study that enrolled approximately uh, 250 or so patients, half of which were in the treatment arm, which was monthly dosing of uh, uh, ONS5010, and the other half of which were in the control arm, and uh, nearly 90% of patients across the board finished the trial to its completion.
1: Can you tell me about the dosing regimens in the two arms?
3: Sure. So in the treatment arm with ONS5010, it was monthly dosing. Uh, for out to 12 months, it's really a 12-month safety trial and an 11-month efficacy trial to be specific, even though people refer to it as a one-year trial. There's a subtle difference there. And then the control arm where patients treated with ranibizumab in what is uh, traditionally known as the peer protocol, which is three monthly loading doses of ranibizumab followed by quarterly dosing, which if taken out to 12 months is six injections in that, in that year-long period.
1: Why was the study designed so that uh, monthly ONS5010 was compared to quarterly ranibizumab after three doses, but stomped at month 11? Why not say go out to month 12 when you could give a third quarterly injection and then perhaps assess at month uh, 13? I'm
3: not an expert in the statistics part of this, and the study design is usually created by people who understand how many patients you need to show differences uh, over a certain amount of time and a certain amount of treatments. I do know that the efficacy data was specifically designed for 11 months and interpreted at 11 months. And they obviously felt in advance that would be long enough to see the efficacy differences they were looking for. The the discrepancy is really the other way around. The the 12th injection in the one study arm was basically for safety because I think they needed to show that the, the safety data was measured out past or inclusive of the 12th injection.
1: Very well. Let's move on to the month 11 results then. What did the research team find?
3: So at at the 11-month efficacy data showed uh, 41.7% of eyes treated with ONS5010 achieved three lines or better vision gain. This is a commonly used uh, primary endpoint in retina studies, studies of wet AMD, diabetic retinopathy, etc. Especially when looking at these drug regimens, it's become uh, commonly called three-line gainers. And again, patients don't get as tied up with some of these uh, points as we do. They have some more basic questions, but three-line gainers becomes a way we can look at results across other studies that use the same endpoints, which is an important thing to consider here uh, when looking at the study design and outcome. Uh, certainly we, we fielded questions and know about some of the um, doubts about the control group that have come up and, and, and there are certainly reasonable questions, but when you look at the data set of efficacy in the treatment arm, uh, separating oneself for a minute from the control arm, just to look at it, uh, it compares very favorably with exactly the same outcome measures in historical anti-VEGF wet AMD trials that we believe strongly in. So, uh, the, the data on the, on the 15 letter or three line gainers was 41.7%, quite good. Additional data points were average vision gain at 11 months, and that was 11.2 letters or so, which is also quite good. That's greater than two lines. And what I find most important to patients is, really, what's my my chances of being better doctor? And this comes up every time you start people on therapy. And in that regard, uh, we were really almost blown away by how good the data was. I think the number was over 68 percent one-line gainers and over 56 percent two-line gainers, and then of course the 41 and change, three-line gainers. So across the board, good visual improvement outcomes. Dr. Rahal, give us a quick overview of the safety data. The safety data on the whole was quite good. The the drug was safe, as were the you know the ranibizumab and the control group across both arms. The safety data. was quite good and uh, probably better to say uh, consistent with our, our current and previous understanding of the safety outcomes in using these drugs uh, and intravitreal injections in, uh, in serial sequences like we do. We have a pretty good sense about what the complication risks are and what the complications themselves are specifically. And I, I think the data in this study was ex- exactly uh, consistent with that. But of note, I think worth pointing out is that there was only one case of intraocular inflammation across all three NORSE studies. Uh, that's NORSE 1, 2, and 3. This is NORSE 2, but there have been the others. Uh, there's only been the one case, and it was quite mild, resolved with uh, just topical uh, steroid eye drop therapy, like we treat uh, intraocular inflammation commonly in the clinic. And this is to me notable because of the recent context of some very high efficacy drugs uh, for the vitreous, for retinal diseases that turned out to have significant intraocular inflammation side effects that uh, took us a little by surprise. So that was a very important part of the safety observations for us in this study. What are the next steps for ONS 5010? This data set appears to be enough in the eyes of uh, the company and others. I, I, the FDA was involved in, um, in the negotiations and discussions about the study design for this phase three trial. So I'm fairly certain the company is gonna uh, proceed with filing for FDA approval in 2022, probably in the first quarter of 2022, and then um, take it from there through the regulatory pathway. And then if, if approved uh, through the commercialization pathway, and I might add, uh, for those of us who use a lot of uh, befacizumab in our practices now using the compounded version, uh, it's very exciting to have a, a new, uh, potentially safer uh, version of that drug available for our patients uh, in the near future. Dr. Hall, thank you so much for joining us here on New Retina Radio. Thank you uh, for having me and uh, giving me a chance to talk a little bit about ONS 5010 and our phase three trial. That's a wrap for this episode of
0: New Retina Radio's coverage of the late-breaking paper session from the 2021
1: AAO annual meeting. We've covered a few topics in the past, so go back in your podcast feed and listen to those episodes and also subscribe to the podcast to get our forthcoming episodes.